This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. The Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, presented by Relentless Boats. We're here for episode 56, and we are at the end of November. It is We're recording the eve of Thanksgiving, and Kyler mm-hmm. is on the road for family Thanksgiving plans. How's it going over in our neighboring, well, our neighbor's neighboring state, Kyler? Yeah, I'm visiting my mom, and she lives in Auburn, and uh, I... Uh, you know, two kids, two dogs, wife, one car, six hours, seven hours, whatever it is. Um, so just got here and uh, <laughs> kind of the, the only I'm happy to see my mom. Obviously, I'm happy to see my family. But I usually have a Thanksgiving Day morning tradition of hunting in some aspect. I don't care if I'm shooting a, a sparrow with a blowgun. I like to I like to hunt on Thanksgiving Day. This year, that's not happening. So kind of killed that tradition. But you know, life goes on. Yep. So um, I'll be back Friday night, and I'll be hunting Saturday and Sunday on public again. What about you? Well, I'm, um, I, I am wrapping up my quarantine. Um, oh yeah. So I came back from the Midwest with more than a uh, than a bowl full of tag soup. I also came back with an exposure rating uh, very high, and though I never tested positive, I was uh, I had to quarantine for. For a period of time, so that because some of the people I was with did test positive for the Rona, so um, the Rona, so the vid. yeah, I've hunted a, a few times here at the house because you know I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a place right here at the house. I don't have to travel, go anywhere, and I hadn't really had any success. I mean, it's been hot, man. It just it's just been a continuation of weather pattern from basically the whole month of November. Everywhere I've gone, it's been one or two decent opportunities to hunt weather-wise mixed in with a whole bunch of just subpar blah and mm-hmm. uh you know i i would assume that as with most people hunting in louisiana like like myself 
the weather is a really, really big deal. I mean, when you go up in the Midwest, the weather, obviously, we experience that being a big deal. But when you come down to Louisiana, it's an even bigger deal. I mean, up there, you know, you're still hunting open country, and you can see, and you can still, there's less pressure, there's shorter seasons. Down here, we're at the time of the year where, you know, rifle season just opened up. Guys have been in and out of the woods, prepping, bow hunting, whatever. The pressure's high, and when you get bad weather combined with all of those factors, the hunting gets really tough in my experience, and that's basically what I have experienced the last couple of weeks. I haven't gone out but a few times, and it's just been, you know, for the most part, just pretty dead. So, so I, I, so here's something not to disagree with you, but like it, I, I have the same in-person experience as you. I am fairly critical of hot days during the winter. Okay, like I, I discount them, or I. You know, obviously not as excited about them because I've got to go out and sweat 78 degrees and at the tail end of November. But right before we jumped on the podcast, I got a close friend of mine that's been hunting um, some small tract public land. And he just shot a really, really nice eight point like an hour well, hour or two ago. It's like he shot it at like 508 or something and um, shot it at 20 yards, had three does behind it and uh or three does in front of it and was came in grunting and stood under his tree for a second and a few years ago i helped him track a deer that he shot straight down on and we ended up not recovering it and so he doesn't take those shots anymore and so he um let it get out to 20 yards walking away and put one through the pump station and they're about to go search for it now and it's 75 degrees you know i I think today it rained you know obviously it's after a light front and the rain Mm -hmm. so that has something to do with it but so you know i hold the same in-person experience and opinion that you just said but you get people that text you and call you and they're shooting 135 440 inch bucks public 75 degree weather and you're like okay maybe it's you know maybe it's just me maybe i'm the only one that doesn't see anything yeah you know i think today i well i think there's there's a portion of this that lends itself to there's an exception to every rule a and i think b just speaking about yesterday and today even though it's hot you had a big front push through the south and uh it's been rainy it's you know you're ahead of the front yesterday afternoon you're behind the front during the day to, and, and this afternoon. And even with hot weather, um, I don't think that that's a cue for great success across the board. But some people are going to experience some success on any kind of weather front change like that. And that's just sure. a known factor. And then I'm, I'm experiencing a little bit of this just in scouting and trail cameras and stuff like that. There are different pockets throughout the South that are starting to get some pre-rut. You know, to your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what that's exactly what he was in. Yeah. Was you know he's pushing some does. The does wanted nothing to do with him. This is what was funny about. I, I, I hate to. I'm sorry to cut you off on that, but I left this part out because I thought it was funny. So he said that the the three does came straight to his tree, and he had left the um his ratchet strap that he uses to kind of hold his sticks and stand together on the ground. And they had walked right up on top of his ratchet trap, smelled it, smelled his ground scent, looked straight up at him, and bolted downwind. They were 30 yards downwind. And he said, I, I don't understand why those does didn't blow at me. And I said, probably because they know you're about to do them a favor. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, they want that buck off their ass, you know. 
so um, anyway, he was like, he was like, yeah, you know, I guess that's a good point. So it's just sorry, I had to mentally no. tell, tell that <laughs> well, earlier. I thought that was funny. It's well, it's one of those things where I'm starting to see a little bit of sign of that, like mostly with trail cameras. I'm getting pictures of of rack deer, not nothing really big and mature, but you know those young to middle age rack bucks nudging does around at night on camera, and mm-hmm. a few of them. Um, I've seen a few adult does just kind of all by themselves, and then I've seen some daytime pictures of some rack bucks kind of all by themselves. It's just little indications that they're starting to act up, and I'm in Area 4 in East Feliciana, and, and it's known that there's a little bit of an early rut around here. So I'm kind of caught in that conundrum between I don't really want to burn up any spots. I don't really feel, you know, my kind of standard rule of thumb is just wait until the weather's better and hunt the right times, not just hunt every chance you get and and hope that you beat the odds on the numbers game basically more hours Mm -hmm. to stand more chance i just don't live by that i i i hunt i hunt hard and i hunt long at the right time i don't just hunt every time i get a chance to go sit in the woods and uh so i'm kind of caught between i know there's a little bit of movement and in any given time if i hunt the right place on the right wind even with this weather any given time that first doe may get you know, like I said, I've seen some by themselves. That first doe might kind of get off and start getting bushed around. And when that happens, 75 or 55 or 45, you know, you could be in the right spot. So, Well, isn't, isn't this the week that you, or the, the time period you shot your buck last year? No, I shot him on December the 19th. Oh, okay. So, I, I thought it was earlier now, than that. But two years ago, um, in the same spot as the buck last year, I killed a deer a nice eight point on it was the wednesday before so it was today it was the wednesday before thanksgiving yeah. um well not today it was a week ago today um it was the wednesday before thanks like not the win, not not thanksgiving eve but the week before thanksgiving that wednesday morning i killed a deer that was following a group of does he was you know five ten minutes behind them coming along making scrapes and grunting and stuff like that so um, yeah, every year, and then last year, I, I shot my deer on December the 19th, but last year, I had made my normal second week of November trip up north and hunted, and I came home, and probably, I don't know exactly what it was, but something around a week after I got home, we got a pretty day, and I decided to go make a sit, uh, a couple of sits with that good weather, and started seeing deer chasing does this time of the year, so it definitely is a pattern somewhere between the middle of november and december the first they definitely start acting up and i kind of feel like what i've been seeing around here is you know they're really getting ready and if we got the kind of weather front to really make the does get up and move um then i think you'd start seeing more bucks follow them around i don't think they're ready to breed yet but well my you know my uh my experience hunting in November has always been pretty abysmal. It's it's been or dismal, maybe is a better word. But um, I've killed two deer in November with a bow. Ever one was a doe and one was a buck from four, three or four years ago, and he was a nice little eight. And I shot him. Um, I shot him. I think it was Thanksgiving break time, like this week, maybe maybe over the weekend, uh, a few years ago, and. Um, you know, it, if you look at our season in phases, you've got opening weekend, which is where, like, depending on where you're hunting and how much pressure you put on it, 
everything's stupid. Everything's still in bachelor groups, patternable, nothing scattered out yet. Bucks that you've been watching since July and June on camera are still in the same spot roughly. And then a week or two into that, you start to muddy that up for a number of reasons, whether it's pressure or changing of patterns or bachelor groups breaking up. And then by November, there it seems to just be spread out for me everywhere that I've hunted in Louisiana and in the South. It's harder for me to actually get on a deer that I'm trying to kill a specific deer. And then December is where everything comes back together in January where you can be like, okay, I'm going to hunt this day on this wind, this stand, this deer. And that's where I feel like I know what I'm doing again. November is like, ah, maybe I'm not very good at this. Yeah. I I grew up hunting in that kind of, pattern the places that i grew up hunting most of my life until the last five or six years there was no rutting activity at all until probably the middle of december at you know at at best the first week of december if you just had a really huge weather pattern that got a bunch of deer up moving they might act a little frisky you know but um so this is new to me too i've experienced the same thing you're talking about for most of my life you know, you have that everything that you've worked for all summer and you have the month of October to put that into play and see what you can do on patterns. And then, then you know, there's this November lull where the pressure seems yeah. to get to them and there's nothing really going on. They can feed at night. There's acorns all over the ground. Acorns are dropping well. They don't have to go far to find yeah. food. Yeah. So the browse is oh. still sustainable. Something, something that I've thought about since last weekend pretty heavily is um, – you know, we've had, uh, uh, this sounds crazy, but I've been on Facebook for 15 years. Okay. Like I was my, I'm 34. I was the rollout demographic of original, the Facebook. Okay. Where you had to have a dot edu email address. You had to be in college at a university. You had to be in a university big enough to be deemed worthy of having Facebook by Facebook. And so, you know, you've got all these memories and all these, you know, you've got all this, all this data and all these um, inputs, outputs from your time on the internet. And over enough years combined, you start to see the same things over and over and over again. And, and one of the two things that I always pay close attention to this year is that we're about to start, if we haven't already, we're about to start this week, like Thanksgiving Day, Black Friday, this weekend. That's when you're going to start seeing guys that you didn't know hunt kill huge deer out of box lines on <laughs> on, on private land at their, at their dad's place. Yeah. Okay? And it's also going to be where you see girls that are in, like, brand spanking new waders killing limits of mallards out of a rice field. Okay, and like it'll be the one hunt they go on all year long, and they'll kill a limit of something, yep. or they'll kill a nice buck, and it happens every single year. And what's funny is, just like daylight savings time creeps up on us every year, and we like it's like this adjustment period, like oh my god, it gets dark early, you know, it's like we forget that every it happens every year, and every year society's like we're a bunch of idiots that don't see it coming, and. It's this, I feel the same way about gun season. Gun season sneaks up on me every year because I, I don't care about it. I don't know when the dates are. 
I don't really consider when and where I can't hunt unless there's a specific like either sex weekend on the on a piece of property I'm hunting or a um, you know a primitive weapon where you can't bow hunt also type of thing type of regulation. But gun season opened last weekend, and all of <laughs> all of a sudden everybody's a deer hunter on my Facebook. All of a sudden. And I'm like, and, and, and everybody's coming, oh, it's opening day. And I was like, opening day was 45 days ago. <laughs> you know, I understand this is opening day for your style of hunting, but like this, this, the season didn't just open, your season just opened. We've been out here for a long time grinding it out. And so it's, just, it's funny to me that, you know, bow hunters have by this point in time we're two months into bow season or deer season as we call it um and we have a long list of failed attempts wasted time in the deer stand overpriced out-of-state trips where you come back with nothing but a virus and and then you got a guy on facebook that you sent an accounting class with 11 years ago that's like shot a 175 you know yep. with my rifle, and i'm like well F me, I guess. Well, that that you know? meme that meme that you see going around that's a, a picture of Dwight from the office wearing the the blaze hunter's orange hat and the yeah yeah he's that, like you know he's like all you bow hunters are about to yeah, get you know, this guy's gonna, gonna kill your buck kill by a guy that looks like this yeah yeah that it's really it's really it's funny but it's one of the most accurate memes that that floats around this time of the year every single and, and just like just to be clear I'm not jealous that that's not a jealousy thing it's simply like oh it's the time here where everybody else comes into the woods mm -hmm. you know um and and a lot of times they're not in the woods they're just on the fringe of the woods they're on the boundaries <laughs> you know they're on the they're on the field edge you know and so um i don't know we're in that period right now where you know i'm telling you black friday maybe even think tomorrow morning or it'll be yesterday by the time this podcast airs you're just gonna see a bunch of people that you had no idea even knew where the trigger on a gun was holding some nice deer yep. <laughs> and it's, it's like well i guess i'll just go back to my deer stand and hang in a tree for eight hours and not see anything mm -hmm. you know so that's what anyway well so we our intro <laughs> our, our intro has has gone into full-blown podcast mode but um our guest for today's podcast is dave ferguson from louisiana outdoors in, in slidell and uh what we're going to talk about or kind of pick his brain about is uh, a lot about preparation, uh, discipline, practicing the scenario, uh, just shot, shot process, and and the process that you go through as an archer to be ready for that moment when um, you have to actually make it happen, and everything that goes into that. And I think that what you just said kind of plays nicely into that because those of us that do um, bow hunt a lot or bow hunt all year long. We are probably at that moment now where we're looking back on some hunts that we've had since October the 1st where uh, maybe some things could have gone better or should have gone better on our behalf. And and so I think this is a good time to have this conversation because there's probably some people thinking, I don't need to do that again because now it's rifle season and that means the, the, the season's progressing and moving along and, and the opportunities may not continue to come. So we're going to have... Uh, dave share a lot of that with us before i do that let me tell you about scree gear that's s-k-r-e a performance-based layering system camo hunting gear and you hear us talk about it every week on the podcast and uh what's going on with scree right now is is 
basically what's going on with everybody, it is the biggest holiday sale season of the year. And so we told you last week that they are discontinuing the Mountain Stealth pattern. And so you can still get 30% off everything Mountain Stealth. But in addition to that, um, they're also running a lot of other sales. The biggest sale of the year, 20 to 50% off of different items at ScreedGear.com. So if you've been considering a performance style of, of hunting gear, a layering system, and um, something that you thought maybe you need to, to check that out, now's the time because you won't get better deals. So check them out at ScreeGear.com. So we've made Dave la- uh, wait long enough. So Dave, <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed our uh, intro that actually turned into the first half of a podcast. How are you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm definitely honored to be on your guys' show. Uh, I, I love what you guys do. I, I follow you on social media. I, I feel you're a good outlet uh, for bow hunters here, here in Louisiana, and, and I'm definitely, uh, definitely thrilled to to be able to chat shop with you guys tonight. Cool. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, we had we had had a good conversation earlier this week, and, and so the whole reason why I, I wanted you to come on the show was, um, you know, we, we talked about um, there's different types of people in the hunting industry. There's some people that are just like the I just work here type. There's some people that are doing it to avoid a real career. And then what the compliment that I gave you after I've never met you. The compliment that I gave you after talking to you for about 45 minutes on the phone was you're extremely passionate about the sport, about the equipment, about the setup, about the process. And you had introduced to me um a a phrase that you kind of live by which is called practice the scenario so um super interested more about what you do at louisiana outdoors how you like to hunt um and then and then diving into that um that rabbit hole and practicing the scenario so um so how long have you been at louisiana outdoors uh i've I've been at louisiana doors uh outdoors not not too long uh, since since right before COVID happened, uh, I I had met the owner who's Brad Rip, who uh, he he's owned Louisiana Doors uh, Outdoors for over a decade, and um, we were or he was in Pearl River, and uh, moved over to Slidell, and I just happened to walk in one day and we started talking shop, and he said, "Hey, you want a job?" So I said, I, "Yeah, I'll definitely." You know, I'm. I need to learn how to fix the stuff I keep breaking, you know, and that's, that's kind of the rest is history from there. So, very cool. So, wh- where where are you hunting? You're hunting in that area, right? Yeah, um, I, I do have the uh, I do have the opportunity. We uh, hunt some private land. It's on the uh, Mandeville side of Lacombe, just outside of Fountainbleau. So I, I do get to hunt hogs there all year and, and, and deer during deer season and the occasional coyote that, that walks by. Um, other than that, I, I, I try to, you know, press my luck in public land areas like, uh, you know, the Pearl River, of course, which I'm, I'm close to, and and uh, Big Branch Marsh and stuff like that. So I do definitely try to get out and grind some public land for fun. Very cool. Well, how's your season been so far this year? I haven't gotten a deer yet, <laughs> but I'm, I'm hoping that's going to change tomorrow. Uh, we're going to we're going to head out. Uh, me and my hunting partner is going to head out in the morning, and and uh, they keep showing up on camera, but uh, they did just not showing up when we're there. And I know that it's 
you know, the weather or just luck of the draw or, you know, just wrong place, wrong time. But uh, I'm feeling pretty comfortable that we'll get some, you know, by the end of the year or season nice. anyway. Very nice. Uh, we had um, we had posted a, a picture. I got I was sent a picture by um, a, a young guy out of Bossier, Louisiana, that um, he, uh, he killed a very nice buck. I, and I'm I'm struggling to remember his name off the top of my head right now because it's an Instagram handle. I don't remember people's handles off the top of my head. Um, and uh, he shot a very nice deer that they've never ever seen on camera ever he's like the first time he saw it he shot it and um you know the caption that i kind of put with that picture was you know you don't always have to wait for cell cams to tell you when to go sit in your stand the first second or third time you get a picture of a deer is your first second or third opportunity you could have killed it you know um and so it's not all about you know, waiting for the right information because I think we, I do it sometimes. I know some other people that do that as well. In fact, the guy I was talking about earlier that shot a buck tonight, he hadn't seen the buck he shot tonight on camera in a week. And I reminded him last time we talked and I was like, well, you got to remember when you have a camera, you're only seeing, you know, if, if you're, if you take it, if you were above that cell camera, if you were above the tree, that camera is only covering about 25 to 33% of that circle of that tree. So you get a very narrow window of, you don't even get to see the majority of what's happening around your tree stand or the place you want to hunt. And so he went there tonight, hadn't seen the buck on camera in a week, sat there anyway, had three does come through and shot a really nice buck and they're tracking it right now. So, um, Anyway, I I, uh, I hope y'all kill something tomorrow, man. That'd be exciting. Definitely, man. Definitely, me too. Uh, I I try to salt and pepper don't taste good on tags, man. So I I try to fill as many <laughs> of them as I can. Deer jerky's way better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, so you were um, you were in the uh, uh, in the military for a while, correct? No, no, actually, I wasn't. Uh, I I um, as a civilian, I uh, I helped gotcha. train dogs. For, for various for various outfits uh, and and public private and uh, I actually started out in Chicago uh, working with a guy named Mel McDuffie, uh, Mr. Canine. I don't know if he's still around. I hope he is. He's he's a good man. Um, and and back then um, I actually got to know him because I brought a dog to him and I said I want some training and I just wouldn't go home. So he said, hey, well, you know, if you clean this or help me out with that, I'll, I'll give you some free training. And then time went on and it was, it was, you know, hey, put this bite sleeve on. I'll teach you how to catch a dog, you know. And so I just stuck around. And uh, we, at the time, we were training dogs for the uh, Illinois National Guard. We were uh, training dogs for the Chicago PD and Cook County PD, and uh, which Chicago's in Cook County, Illinois. So uh, we were... We were doing that, but we were also training dogs for dog sports, uh, Shitson and Fretchering, Iron Dog Triathlons and stuff, just people uh, that wanted to enter their dogs into dog sports, as well as people that had no intention on, you know, doing dog sports, but just wanted a protection dog to, you know, protect their house, you know, a lot of single women and, and stuff like that. So that's what kind of got me into the mindset of, uh, you know, practicing the scenario and, and, and working, you know, towards, you know, uh, a live situation. Uh, for instance, I, w I would never, I would never uh, ask a police officer whose canine we trained to, you know, go into live 
gunfire if we hadn't practiced with blanks first. You know, it's just that kind of mentality that when I started bow hunting, I kind of brought to bow hunting with me. Yeah, gotcha. So tell us, tell us more of that and how you apply that to to bow hunting and in uh, your approach to the woods. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, it's I get you know working as a bow tech, I get to meet I get to meet a lot of people of different, not just ages but also, you know, experience levels. And, uh, you know, one thing I see is, you know, I, I get people who come in and they'll share, share stories with me. Uh, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't hit this deer where I wanted to, or I couldn't find it, or, you know, I, I found myself in this low light position and, or, or a scenario where I couldn't, you know, I couldn't see my, my pen and stuff like that. So I, I, you know, you had said earlier that I'm, I'm passionate about what I do and I am, it's just, I do archery. I do it. I do it for a job. I, I do it when I get home. I do it with my friends. And, uh, so I've got to hear a lot of stories, you know, and, um, those, those stories that I've heard have really enabled me to sit back and kind of, you know, think about, you know, patterns or, you know, similar cases that people are having. And, uh, that, that made me think more about it. But, uh, I guess as far as, you know, from, at a, at a baseline level, you know, practice scenario is, is just practice how you intend to hunt. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times I feel as bow hunters, we, we, uh, we, we get very used to shooting in a sterile environment, you know, um, it's a very controlled environment sure. and we get good yeah. at it. We get good at it. Um, and then we find ourselves, you know, in a position where that, that, big boar walks out or that, that big deer walks out and, and, you know, you're, you're in your tree stand and you draw back and you hit the trunk of your tree <laughs> with your elbow, you know, it's yeah, easy to yeah. do. It's easy to do. Um, and, and really practicing the scenario is just trying to put yourself in a position where you can simulate the hunt you expect, um, on your own time. And if you're gonna, um, if you're gonna hunt with, with gloves on because it's cold, shoot with gloves on. If you're, if you're spotting, stalking, you know, and, and you're going to, you know, you're going to shoot with a pack on, get out there and, and shoot with a pack on. Uh, you may look funny to your neighbors, but I, I, I feel that in, you know, in, in that hunting situation, it's going to help out quite a bit. Absolutely. Well, it reminds me of, um, reminds me of some things we've said on, on past episodes, which is, and, and I was guilty of this in Illinois. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes you, you make five, eight, ten hunts in a row. Um, that might be two or three weekends in a row. And the only time that you touch or shoot or, or, or shoot your bow is at an animal. Um, and so, you know, as far as preparation in general, I've really tried to force myself to um, take some shots, some practice shots, even if it's just one or two in the morning when I get to work, shooting a hay bale or something like that and stay in good form and not assume that everything's on because I think one of the byproducts of practicing the scenario or one of the main intentions, maybe is a better way to say it, is to build confidence. Okay, if things are different when you're in the deer stand with a buck underneath you and you've never shot under 10 yards or under 8 yards, how are you going to handle that situation where your emotions and your nerves are trying to take over. And so you're trying to not only gain familiarity with, 
you know, with the equipment that you're shooting in the situation that you're shooting in, whether it be first light and it's cold and you're you're not warmed up yet, and your your you know your arms and muscles are are cold and trying to because we talked to um, Warren uh, from the Meat Chasers, he couldn't draw his bow back one day. You remember that lock? Yeah, he, he just yeah. couldn't pull it back. Um, and so, uh, but but I think one of the main focuses of what you're talking about, if you tell me if I'm wrong, is building confidence to where when it comes down to that exact second that you need to make a good shot on an animal, you don't have this checklist going off in your mind. It's muscle memory. It's not a thought process. It's just an action that you're that you've so re, you've done so repetitively that it's just part of you, mm-hmm. like muscle memory. So, um, yeah, I you know I, I really like you know your take on that when we were talking the other day because we you know obviously get very granular on all the aspects of bow hunting, especially go back to the the first season and maybe the first half of the second season of the podcast. And we talk about um, just the, the minutia of everything, almost to the point of like obsession. But every, the fact is everything matters, you know? Um, so, so what, um, have you had any, have, have you had any hunts or anything where you, something not regrettable happened, but something didn't go to plan in which like kind of, made you really adopt or adapt this mindset of practicing scenario? Has anything happened to you like that in the field? Oh, tons. Oh, tons. I am definitely uh, a product of my failures uh, <laughs> and trying to, trying to <laughs> like move that. past them. <laughs> um, I, I can give you a few examples. Uh, the You know, you come down to Louisiana – I haven't been here long. I've I've been in the state about five years, and uh, you know there's there's certain aspects, you know, uh, that you deal with when hunting down here that uh, I didn't have to deal with. I, I cut my teeth, you know, bow hunting in Illinois and Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota, and uh, while that presents challenges as well, there was different challenges when I came here that I didn't expect, and uh, you know one of those things was just hunting in the heat and and having to you know, uh, sit through mosquitoes, which is, is torturous within itself. And, you know, uh, so a couple instances I found when I came down here was, you know, I wear a face mask when I go out and hunt. And uh, I, I did up north too, but it was a little different. But one of the instances was when I came down here, I the first time I drew back on on a deer and I went to anchor, I just couldn't feel that anchor as much as I wanted to because I was wearing a face mask and it hit me. It was, it was because I hadn't practiced with one, you know, and it, it, it sucks to get out there in July and September, and, you know, put a face mask on and, you know, throw 50 arrows. I get it. It's, it's miserable, but that was the first one. But, uh, actually the biggest one, the biggest one, uh, I was, I was hunting on, on, on me and my friend's lease. And uh, it, it was the first time I had ever been night hunting. And I thought I had my bases covered. You know, I, I, I put, I had batteries in my, my, uh, my, my pin light. Uh, I, I had my, uh, I had a light on the front of my stabilizer. You know, the feeder, you know, lit up. It was one o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black dark. I see a hog finally come out. It's my second night. I was, I was very excited. And uh, I drew back like I had 10,000 times. I did everything 
the way I had, you know, thought it was going to unfold, and it did until I went to look through my peep site, and that, and it wasn't there. That peep site was gone, <laughs> and uh, it was a twenty-yard chip shot. It, it should have been one and done, but I missed. I shot over its back. Wait, and, well, when you uh, say it was gone, like it was physically gone, or you couldn't see through it, or or what? I just couldn't see where it was. That's what it was. I, I, I remember pulling the bow away from my face and trying to find it in a little bit of moonlight, and I just couldn't see where that peep sight was, and I was so dependent on, you know, that those steps, you know, archery is seven or eight things done the same way every time, you know, and, and I was so peep sight, you know, anchor, there's your peep, okay, I'm in, and when I went to look through that peep, I just couldn't see it, and uh, what should have been an, a very easy shot. Uh, just ended up being an over the back miss, and uh, so that's that was another that was another case where you know I, I realized I didn't account for that. So you know, long story short, I went home the next night and I sat in my backyard and shot the dart in the same you know scenario over and over. And uh, a couple nights later, we went out there and you know we shot a two hundred pound pig thirty yards and. He ran cool. 15, 15 yards and, and was done. So it uh, it's just trying to account for that, you know, that uh, that I try to help guys and men and women that come in the shop that are, you know, wanting to get out and hunt. So sure. So aside from the the uh, you know the practicing these specific scenarios as 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 you've coined it, what about the I find that there's a there's a issue that most bow hunters deal with at some point, usually early on um, in their bow hunting career, uh, I guess we'll call it, where it's not so much that you are encountering something that you're not practiced for, or you know some variable that that's happening that that you're just you can't account for, but it's it's so much the the point of maybe you're not confident to, to Kyler's point or you're not secure enough and you start doing things like how do you counter or do you have a process for countering this idea of making dumbass decisions that you would not normally make because of the heat of the moment I have my own opinions that I'll share about that but I'm, I'm curious to see how that factors into your process you know, it's funny for, for me personally, I, I, I always tell myself in my head and I've just gotten into the habit of it over the years, telling myself, you know, take your time, take your time because, you know, I agree that adrenaline gets going, you know, everything's moving fast, but real slow. And you're just like, and I have to tell myself like, take your time, Dave, it, take your time. You know, it's, it, uh, the, <clears throat> it's not the ones we get that, that haunt us. It's the ones that get away, you know, and I take your time, you know? So, um, that that's kind of what I do. I just I, I try to like you talked about earlier. You know, in the heat of the moment, it it is all, you know, muscle memory. But I, I try to, you know, reel myself in and just you know take the time, yeah. take the time. Um, I do agree with you a hundred percent that uh, you know, it's all mental. I think Cameron Haynes says that. Uh, I, I love Cameron Haynes, by the way. And it is. It's all mental. Um, you know, you you got to have confidence in your gear. You know, you, you got to have confidence in your setup. You, you, you have to be, you have to walk out and, you know, to your tree stand or to that shoot house or ground blind or whatever you're doing. You, you have to walk out there with the confidence saying that you can do it. If, 
if you defeat yourself, and, and, it, and it, whether it's because of the time you you have or haven't put in, or or you're you know you're you're stressed out about you know the your gear, it, uh, it it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna play over in that shot, in my opinion. Yeah. I know I know for myself, um, especially when I was younger and um, throughout my my time as a bow hunter, I, I I've had numerous situations where. I missed a deer or a hog or I made a shot that I immediately knew was going to be uh, not good and potentially, you know, uh, that I wasn't going to recover. And in that moment, you think back and you can kind of clearly, you think to yourself, like, why in the hell did I do that? Because you know that's not how you've practiced. And and oftentimes it's kind of like to Kyler's point about, you know, going on a hunting trip, a lot of times to say, you know, well, I know that's not how I practice, but in all fairness, I haven't been practicing that much since the season started, you know, and different things like that. And, and I, you know, my, I said, I had my, kind of my opinions about it. And, and what I meant by that was, it's not really so much of an opinion, but just kind of my, my coach speak or advice part to that is, you know, I compare a lot of things in life to baseball. I spent a lot of my life in the game and and so I, I do uh, relate a lot of things back. And you know, when you get to a certain level of of baseball where you're facing a certain level of pitching, the only way to be successful is to be able to 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 focus and see ball hit ball in a different kind of way. And what I mean by that is because the pitching is so much better. You don't have time right. to. You can't go to the plate trying to remember what you've been working on in batting practice or what you've worked on with that hitting coach. You have to be able to go up there and know that when I fire, my swing is on time, my swing is what it's supposed to be, and I can't think about that. I've got to think about pitch selection, pitch location, and and whatnot. So relating that to bow hunting, I find and I have found in, in my life that it's a very much – a direct parallel and mm-hmm. I have gotten you know to a place where I've I've even felt that kind of um, I don't want to say excitement that's not the word but I've felt that kind of satisfaction after I've made a good shot when I said to myself you know I know that I was able to focus on the right things because I was ready I was confident I was prepared I didn't make those mistakes and you have to get to that I think you have to get to that place where your focus is on your target and and you're not having to to overthink things because to your point one thing you said earlier is you're worried about something that's going on with your gear you know you mm-hmm. went hunting knowing that hey i i kind of am not real sure about this or that i haven't shot enough to be real sure about this or that and you know it if if you can't focus on the the mannerisms and the body language of your target animal and what's going on around you and just trust that you've practiced and you've shot your equipment enough to know that when I draw back and anchor and aim, my focus is on the target. It's not on me because I'm going to do my part right because I'm ready, you know, and I just, I just think that's, that's something I tell people a lot. I mean, it's the same thing I tell the, the, the kids that I now coach in baseball. I mean, we, when we do this, we go, th- look, you can forget all this when it comes time to play. You got to go up there and swing. You got to go up there and be ready to see the pitch, see the ball, hit the ball. You can't read pitches. You can't do all that. And you can't do all that with your bow either. You can't stand mm-hmm. on a platform at 15 to 25 feet in the air 
and start figuring it out then. At that time, if you want to be lethal, you know, you got to have that kind of confidence and concentration that I'm ready. And that's, I think Kyler would probably agree with me on this. It's one of the reasons that on this podcast we often talk so much about how important it is to to be a student of if you're going to shoot a razor blade at a living animal you need to be very prepared you need to be very practiced and you need to be yeah. very confident and that's Absolutely. one of the reasons is because you got to be able to do all those things I, so, something something happened in uh in illinois that I, I forgot to tell you about mainly because i was so appalled by it that i erased it from my memory until now um so my third to last day of the trip it was midday and I was making a, a location change around noon. And I came around this corner on a dirt road and there was a truck and about 150 yards from the truck was this um, father and son. Um, the son looked like he was 17. The father looked like he was mid fifties. Um, they were both in um, camouflage and they were, just, they were literally just like wandering. Wandering is, is the appropriate word. They were just, wandering and meandering around the woods right by the road and i pulled up and said they had illinois plates hey guys how's it going and they said it's good are you hunting here i said i said uh i said yeah i'm i'm trying to find a place to hunt i'm gonna scout a new spot and they're like that's what we're doing and and i was like oh y'all coming back or you know did y'all go look go up pointed at the woods that they were in i said y'all go down that that little peninsula surrounded by water they're like no no we're just seeing if there's anything right here and i'm like i'm like i can see them in their truck and you know I, they were not 75 yards in the woods and um they said uh they said yeah we're gonna i think we're gonna give bow hunting a go is, is what they said we're gonna give it a go and i was like oh yeah like y'all, y'all are getting into bow hunting this year and the kid goes yeah um i just just got a bow three days ago and uh and and right right when he said that his dad cut him off he goes yeah i got a target for him we're going to take a couple of shots and and head into the woods and and i'm not exaggerating or making any of this up is verbatim what they said and i looked at him and i was like man good luck i hope you'll kill something i'll see y'all later I, i like they 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 knew nothing about their equipment the kid had never shot it they were in the woods to hunt, and I, I think they had the idea that they were hunting, but they were just sitting on the ground somewhere. And they had a bow that they picked up three days ago. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I've been doing this for quite a while now, and I would, like, like I've said on the like very first podcast, bow hunting isn't something you get good at. It's just something you progressively get less bad at over time. You never actually excel at bow hunting. You just suck less over over time period okay and so these this this father son they were so naive about the process they were i think like in their mind they really thought that hunting was setting up at the base of a tree and shooting a deer with any weapon that you picked up that week um and it was um it wasn't even it was so far out of my realm of understanding i didn't even try to talk to them um in fact i I was i was almost like man you should get a crossbow (laughs) (laughs) well you know somehow or another that's going to be that picture that shows up on facebook you were talking about a while ago probably (laughs) yeah he's gonna oh a million a million percent it's gonna be 17 year old kid (laughs) shoots a 188 class at you know 180 class illinois whitetail and i'm gonna be like this that's it man i know nothing anymore (laughs) 
you know, yeah. you know, talking about talking about that and, and, and confidence and gear, I, I one of the most beautiful things for me about bow hunting and, and rewardable things for me about bow hunting is it's it's and archery in general. It's it's tailored to you. You know, it it it's it's a it's an extension of, you know, yourself. And you know, <clears throat> there's some guys that can hit bullseyes every time but they have a little bit of torque uh, hand torque when they shoot or you know the or or their anchors a little different and and it's so tailored to you and and it's so it's so much of uh there there is no best in in archery a uh, best is a, a very subjective word when it comes to archery and you know we we all we all love watching you know uh you know guys like John Dudley, Cameron Haynes, you know, robots like Levi Morgan, you know, these incredible people that are just, you know, awesome archers. And uh, I get guys come in all the time and they'll ask me like, you know, Levi Morgan is using this or John Dudley is using this stabilizer or Cameron Haynes is, you know, using this release. And, you know, I always try to tell people like, I'll sell you anything you want, but that's, that's not really my goal. My goal is for you to have a good experience. And, uh, you know, let's sit down and try some stuff because that thumb button might not be best for you, you know, or, or that one pin sight or, you know, that seven pin sight might not be best for you. So let's try some stuff. Let's, let's shoot some things, you know, and, uh, you know, see what you like. And, uh, I I really believe like that, that's, uh, that's one thing that makes archery such an awesome, you know, sport and hobby is, you know, at the end of the day, I could hand you or my neighbor, my bow. And even though you guys have, you know, great, great archers and great bow hunters, you'd shoot my bow and you might be like, oh man, this thing is terrible, you know, but I get yeah. out of it and it, it's yeah. my bow, you know, it's an extension of, of myself. And, and I love that about archery. And, and I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, new guys and new men and women will come in my shop. You know, I tell them all the time, if you walk into a room with a hundred archers and you ask every one of them 10 questions, you're going to come out more confused than you have answers, you know? Sure. And it's because those hundred men and women that you talk to in there, um, they, they are using, you know, what's best for them and they, they have found what's best for them and, and what works for them might not work for you. Um, the best release, the best stabilizer, the best sight, you know, the best poundage, the best bow, uh, is, is what you like using the most. It's, it's what yeah. works best with you, you know, and, and I try to, I try to sell that in my shop more than I try to sell items, you know, let's, let's set up something that works for you. And, uh, <clears throat> I believe like we talked about earlier, when, when you get out there, you know, it, you got to have confidence, you got to have confidence, you know, when you, when you pick that bow up, you know, you knock that arrow and, you know, you draw back and let one go. You know, you, you, you have to believe that it's going to hit where you want it to. It might not, but you at least have to, you know, believe it. And, yeah. and it starts there, you know, definitely. Well, you you were talking about hand torque. And mm-hmm. um, I, I uh, that that's something that we haven't really, on the podcast, we haven't really gotten into form much. Mm. Um m- I guess maybe 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 I'm just waiting to get John Dudley on, and we'll let you let him tell us how to shoot a bow. But I think that one of the reasons why is because um, hand torque for me. I recently learned this isn't always a user input problem. What I mean is it's um, not all bows 
are, are out of sync with, you could say, the, the cam track and the string because the person is gripping too tightly or pulling to the left or pushing to the right or whatever. I have a friend of mine that was shooting an elite ritual, ritual um, and he could not group um, fixed blades to save his life, six-inch groups at 20 yards. And what was happening was he had a very loose grip. He wasn't – It was. he wasn't um, – torquing. torquing it sounds like an action, right? Hand torque sounds like, hey, you're doing this thing. But instead, I've, I learned – that it can also be like a, a car that's out of alignment. If you take your hand off the wheel or you hold the wheel very lightly, the car will veer a certain direction. And what he had with his bow, and I, this isn't like a, a rag on a lead or anything like that. I, this is just a fact of what he was shooting. With his loose grip, his bow wanted to turn to the right. It wanted to fall to, the, to his right side. And because of that, his string and his cam weren't in um, weren't in line or cam track and his string weren't in line. He was getting all sorts of mixed shot feedback when he would put, um, a fixed blade on. And, um, I'm, I'm of the belief that a fixed blade will fly like a field point. If everything is perfectly tuned or within spec on your bow. I do Absolutely. believe that. I do believe Absolutely. that there were some fixed points, fixed blades back in the day, maybe some original ones a while back, that, yes, <laughs> the blade itself could have forced the arrow left, right, up, or down, or six inches high left versus your field points. But ultimately, I've always been of the belief that if your bow is well-tuned and if you shoot it properly, and that's a, maybe a nicer way of saying if you have r correct form, then right. your field points should be hitting with, with your broadheads. And, um, and I, this is a very, this is a long time bow hunter. He's a good friend of mine. And so when I said, Hey, let me, let me stand behind you. I want to see how you're shooting your bow. He almost was offended, but he was kind of out of options at that time. He was like, all right, well, let's, let's see if it's me. And, and I got behind him and I took a picture and the, angle in which the string was coming off the cam was very uh obvious and mm -hmm. i said man i said it's not i said you're not torquing the bow in fact the bow is wanting to turn and you're not correcting it um so it, am i right in that is that would that still be under hand torque per se as a bow tech would you agree with that no, I definitely wouldn't. And it's kind of funny. I was thinking about, you know, something that I, I changed, you know, my, my take on uh, over the time of, you know, being a bow tech working with a lot of people is uh, use, I, I like to paper tune every bow before it leaves my shop. It's just something I like to do. You know, I'll, I'll take it once it's set up and we get that rest on there and we get, you know, everything where you want it. Uh, traditionally, I would just, you know, I trust myself. And I would, I would, you know, shoot the bow through paper and it would shoot a bullet hole. And, you know, you're, that's cool. I, I still like enjoy shooting a bullet hole as much as I did in the beginning. And, uh, I would give it to the owner of that bow and, uh, you know, they would get a tear this or that, you know, they left a right tear or something, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, what am I doing wrong? And, and, uh, you know, it, it, it became a, well, you're not doing anything wrong. You're just doing something different than me. So, 
now let me set this bow up so you shoot a bullet hole, you know? And uh, I, I noticed that their shooting, you know, got a lot better, you know? And, I, and, and again, it goes back to, you know, bow hunting being, <clears throat> or archery in general being, you know, very intimate to the user. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I realized I realized I was doing them a disservice by, you know, I get the trick, you know, but the the the, the trick isn't what's important. What's important is is that you shoot this bow good, you know. Um, and yeah. uh, so so I definitely that is one area, you know, that I I definitely changed in. And um, you know, the, the 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 funny thing about archery, I. You know, I, I think a lot of what we've talked about tonight is uh, I shoot 3D target archery in the summertime, not because I'm an overly competitive target archer. Um, I'm actually relatively terrible at it. I just enjoy it. But um, but just to, you know, give me an excuse to keep putting in reps. I, I, I think a lot of target archers and, and a lot of, you know, uh, 3D, arch, 3D target archers, I, I feel like a lot of what we talked about tonight with practicing the scenario, trusting your gear, using what's best for you. I feel like a lot of those guys have it. Those, those men and women, they have it, you know, they, they, they understand it, you know? And, uh, I, I feel like it's, uh, a little bit more with the, the, the hunting group, at least, you know, that I deal with that are, are still trying to chase, you know, this best or, or this perfect, you know, situation or, or within their gear. And, uh, you know, the, um, the thing that I noticed was just, you know, when it came back to finding what was, what was good for people and what worked for people, it, uh, the thing that I noticed was, you know, just letting, letting them shoot their bow, letting them shoot through paper, you know, and, uh, kind of seeing where they're at, you know, and, and, uh, just observing and watching them to kind of see what they're doing and then say, Hey, I have a suggestion that might work. Let's try this. But if this doesn't work, you know, let's, let's step back a step and, you know, try something different until we find something that works for you. I, I like your approach because I have, I, I can clearly think back to, uh, I worked in an archery shop myself for several mm. years and, and I, I can think back, not only in the archery shop setting, but just in the camp setting and the in the in the hunting, I guess the hunting camp type setting, where too many times, whether it be in the archery shop or in a group of friends, when you have a new bow hunter and and, and you're trying to help them, uh, whether that be sell them a bow and get them set up or or just mentor them as your hunting partner, I think we we tend to spend we have a tendency to spend too much time trying to tell somebody how to do something in our way. That's probably a too simplistic way for me to say what I'm trying to say, but it, it's, it's too often that, well, if you're do if, if you're not getting the result that we expect for you to get, it's because you're not doing something right and you need to teach yourself to do it differently. And to your point, that's not always the case. Sometimes, uh, with with archery being an, an intimate to the user kind of thing sometimes it's like a far more productive approach to say okay um this is how this is who you are as a shooter this is what you do this is what's going to be more likely to be what you develop confidence and consistency with so let's work with that and fine-tune that in the right ways instead of just telling somebody 
Well, you just need to shoot a lot more because you're not doing it right. You need to figure out how to do it right. Definitely, that, 100%. That, that I agree with that. It does that happen a lot. That happens a lot. That's the type of feedback I, I see people say. is they, like, You know, okay, here's a great parallel. Man, I'm not, I'm not seeing any ducks. Uh, they must not be down yet, right? And people are like, oh, you just have to scout more. <laughs> you're not you're not you're not hunting the right places you have to scout more there's no like putting putting the goal person goal post further down the line for somebody to eventually try and hit themselves on their own doesn't help people if you give like unhelpful advice but if you pull somebody aside and you say let me let me see you shoot let me give you some feedback let me see what let's try this you give some specific feedback that always helps i don't know why people are so dead set on being so unhelpful these days you know it's uh i don't i don't understand that as humans as humans and this has come up with us kyler in other conversations before but as humans we we tend to get you know we tend to make things difficult for ourselves (laughs) in a lot of different ways you know i mean we we're, we're constantly trying to change things and then on the other side of the coin, there are certain things in life that we just kind of get stuck in. There's only one way to do it, and we just beat our head against that wall, you know, for eternity. And and, and right. I, I think that could be. I think I could parallel this conversation a little bit. I, you know, when it comes down to it, the ultimate goal is to hit the bullseye or to make That's the right. shot on the animal. And you know, when it's all said and done when you're recovering that animal or you're retrieving those arrows from a good group, how many people are looking back and saying, man, you made a perfect shot on that 150, uh, you know, uh, during, during the rut, but you know, it wouldn't have been a whole lot nicer if you'd have just kind of, uh, done your shot a little bit differently. I mean, no, <laughs> right. nobody, you know, nobody's, right. nobody's, nobody's second guessing the results. So, dead is dead. Yeah. yeah how, I mean, how much deader could it be? Yeah. So I mean, you know? I mean, yeah. Right. Maybe we second guess it when we make a bad shot and we spend all night and have to call everybody we know with a blood dog and all that. That's. But I, I'm obviously that's a different scenario. But you know, when it comes down to it, um, just like with golf or baseball or any other activity in which the human body is, you know, in a performance mode. I mean, if if you're consistent and you're prepared. And you're right. you can do it your way. You don't have to do it, you know, your buddy's way. Just like you don't have to shoot the same equipment that everybody at the camp's shooting. You know, just like you don't have to to, to hunt out of the same kind of tree stand that they hunt out of. You know, etc. Well, Lock, Lock, you don't even know that you're doing this, but you're explaining, um, Dave, in my first conversation, talking about yeah. arrow weights and the ranch ferry. Okay, definitely, Which, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's exa- It is exactly what we talked about, which is that, um, without getting into the ranch ferry, cause I don't, I, we're just not going to do that. Um, without getting <laughs> into that, he, um, it, the simple fact is that my way that works for me does not negate your way that works for you. They are Absolutely. not, you know, mutually tied together. Which is, in, in in order for one person to win, the other person has to fail. This isn't, this isn't, um, you know, an election where there's only one winner. We can both win in our own ways. You can shoot a heavy arrow, 650 grains. I can shoot a light arrow, and like like we just said about that 150 deer, there's only one 
one level of dead. There's no, there's no higher level of not living anymore. And if my light arrows work for me, your super heavy arrows work for you, then go shoot them. You know, great. I'm gonna shoot mine. So, um, you know, Louisiana. I mean, every every geographical area is gonna, you know, um, have its different pros and cons and challenges. You know, um, Louisiana is a from my experience is, is a tough place to hunt. You know, it's uh deer have a lot of pressure, you know, they're, they're definitely more aware. I, I, when I was hunting up Wisconsin, they practically come up and, you know, eat food out of your hand. There's just a pressure just where I was just wasn't there. You know, down here I've, I've had does look straight up at me and I'm like, I didn't even know you could do that. You know, like what was that? You know, um, they all, they all, Everywhere is going to, you know, pose different challenges. But, uh, you know, I, I tell, at least on a gear end, you know, um, which is, again, what I deal with a lot. It, I tell people all the time, like, you know, the best gear in the world, the best, the best period, the best gear in the world is, is what you're the most comfortable and confident shooting. It doesn't matter what it is. It's like you said, there's, there's only one level of, of dead, you know. So, um, you know, if you achieve that, then, then you succeeded, and that's that's what's important. Um, you know, I also it's funny. You know, listening to you guys talk, I, I thought to myself, you know, uh, another thing I tell a lot of you know men and women that come in is is you know if, if you if you aren't OCD or, or you aren't superstitious, and you really get into archery, you're gonna be. You know, you're gonna be, and I think we've all done that, sure. right? You know, oh, this I, I use this scent, or you know, I use this broadhead, or I had this setup, and then you go out, you know, ten more times with that, and you're like, oh man, you know, I didn't get anything this time. What happened? You know, <laughs> so um, you know, it, it's definitely, it's definitely archery, and and like I said, that's that's what makes it special. You know, uh, I, I really believe that. You know, and that's what that's what keeps me trying. And, and that's what keeps me, I want people to have a good experience at the end of the day. And that's, that's what we try to provide in our shop. And that's what I try to give to, you know, everyone that asks me about it. You know, I want you to have a good experience. Uh, my experience is irrelevant at the end of the day to the experience you have. And, and what I'm trying to build for you is a good experience and to get out there and to enjoy it. And, you know, the, again, uh, another thing I tell people all the time in the shop is, you know, one of the most awesome parts of archery is you, you really get in from it, uh, or you really get out of it what you put in. And, um, you know, um, if you put in a lot, you're going to get a lot, you know, you're going to get a lot. I, I still remember to this day, you know, the first buck that, you know, came, 15, 16 yards under my tree stand, and I let that first arrow go. And to be honest with you, man, I haven't gun hunted since. It, 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 I, I just, I haven't, I haven't felt the same. It's not that, uh, like you guys were talking about earlier in the podcast. I ain't hating, you know. I'm definitely not hating, but there's a certain level of, for me, there was a certain level of gratitude and just uh, a certain level of accomplishment and, and and excitement that I felt, you know, when I when I I got that first deer. And, uh, you know, I try to give that to, you know, I try to give that to the youth, man. I, I try to give that to old shooters, new shooters, wherever you might be. I just try to keep paying that forward, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, after I'm too old and my shoulders are too bad to keep pulling back a bow, you know, it's going to be, you know, that person that's, you know, given that next per that next generation, that, that experience or, or, or that excitement for it, you know, anyway. Well, I'm glad that we have, 
you working in archery in the state of Louisiana because I love your approach and we need yeah we, that's what we need in the archery industry is people that are teaching that that way because uh it is it is I think it's easy also on on the other side of all the stuff we've been talking about you know and I guess it really plays off of what you said about getting in or getting out what you put in it's really easy to just get overwhelmed with archery or with bow hunting and just kind of be yeah. like you know uh, I, I thought I was going to just extend my hunting season but this is too much and <laughs> and you know mm-hmm. you can't find the right outlets to 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 help su- support you and 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 help you figure out the why behind what you're doing and and help you get to that level that we keep talking about of confidence and consistency so that you can be successful in the field and not just feel like I'm out here killing nothing but mosquitoes you know absolutely you know people people will come in the shop and i actually more this year uh than i've seen in a while but people come in the shop and you know they'll say man i'm i've never bow hunted before i i shot a bow like a you know a traditional bow in high school class you know and i, I but i've i would like to get into bow hunting it's something i would like to get interested in and you know can can you can you tell me more about it and i'm like uh are you ready to fall down this rabbit hole you know, cause, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, at every turn, at every turn, there's a rabbit hole. And, uh, you know, I'm always more than willing to, you know, I'll take you from the ground up, you know, I'll show you bows. I'll show you, you know, accessories. You have, you know, arrows and how you want to set those up. And, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a rabbit hole and, and, uh, it can be overwhelming definitely. But, uh, you know, I always tell people the best thing you can do is just start throwing arrows, just start throwing them. You know, you can get overwhelmed by just, I'm still falling down that rabbit hole, man. I've been, I've been, you know, bow hunting for 15 years and I'm, I'm still definitely falling down it. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I'm no longer falling. I'm, uh, I'm trying to just coast, you know, but, um, it's definitely a deep rabbit hole. There's definitely a lot involved, but, uh, nothing nothing will trump just getting out there and and just starting you know we all started somewhere you know every one of us you know um, none of us none of us none of us you know were born knowing how to shoot a bow you know i I tell people in the shop all the time yeah this is going to feel awkward it's going to be it's going to feel weird you know just uh you know put your hand like this or you know get this string you know touch the tip of your nose and there, this is this is really weird. I'm like, yeah, it's it's gonna feel weird at first. It's uh, but when it stops feeling weird, it's gonna be awesome, you know. And and I just I hang on to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate you joining us tonight, Dave. Um, a lot of good insight, a lot of great information. Like I said, you're very passionate about not just the sport, but the people, the community, getting the next generation, getting people involved in it. So, like Locke said, you know, thank you for for doing this, man. I'm glad to have you down here. Yeah, man, absolutely. And uh, real quick before I go, uh, if you don't mind, uh, anyone that comes in the shop that says they follow uh, Louisiana Bowhunter on social media, be it Instagram, Facebook, uh, anyone that comes in the shop with a Louisiana Bowhunter hat, I will set up your bow, full tune, paper tune, Get it all set up for you, no charge through the month what? of January. Nice, that's sweet. So. Wait, which 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 month you said? January through January. 
through the through, end of hunting January. Through basically. January. Sorry, through January. Okay, through yeah. January. Hey, that's awesome, hey, man. man. That's a that's a that's a little holiday black got a little little Louisiana bow hunter <laughs> podcast Black Friday special going on. Not a problem, man. I I really, like I said, I follow you guys, man. I really like what you do. Um, You're definitely a good outlet and source for, uh, you know, archers in Louisiana, man. And it was, it was definitely an honor to be able to, uh, you know, talk to your audience and uh, get to talk to you guys tonight, man. So if anyone comes in my shop, they mention Louisiana bow hunters. uh, I will, uh, I'll take care of them. Free setup, free paper tune. We'll get you in and out. Baller. Hey, you're the man, dude. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, cool. y'all got anything else you want to add? Well, I think we covered a lot. I got, I have one thing. Uh, did, have, did y'all, did y'all check your phones? Just get your tech in my text about 30 minutes ago. Yeah, uh, I did. I did actually. I'm looking my, at it right it, now. My, my buddy found that deer. He oh, found okay. it. It's a really nice eight point. Are you looking at it a lot? Well, being the host of the podcast, my phone is tied up. <laughs> true. It's, it's true. It's a mule. It's a mule. You do have the setup now. Yeah. And yeah. And I guess we never really discussed that. This year, Locke has he handles all the recording and editing and everything. Um, so he has all the equipment. So I call in now, which is kind of odd. But um, but yeah. So when you when we get off here, check that deer out. Really awesome. fantastic public land eight point. Cool. So. Uh, Anyway, I, uh, I I think it's I think it's kind of cool we've added I don't know kind of a real almost like a live um, adder to some of the podcasts recently like when we were on the podcast with Justin and I was getting really nice pictures of bucks while we we're recording um, and then like this guy my buddy that shot this deer right before we got on the podcast and he just found it and sent me a picture of it it's kind of cool man so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll post that up on on our social media so you guys can absolutely we'll do that well, uh, when the podcast comes out well dave thanks for joining man it's good to have you on hey man thank you uh i hope i was able to share something good and you know it's all your listeners man keep listening to this podcast and uh keep keep chucking arrows and and keep trying the man. hey Everybody, just a reminder, all the new Louisiana Bowhunter merchandise that we are just now debuting, you can uh, check that out at all our local retailers. Check it out online. We have got a lot of really cool new apparel, and um, I know Kyler is itching to start seeing some of that stuff show up on social media. So y'all check that out. Um, Holidays coming up, gift ideas, whatnot. Post a picture of of some of your new hats, T-shirts, and Louisiana got hoodies this year. Hoodies, That's Louisiana cool. Bowhunter yeah. swag. We're gonna enter That's the right. swag realm when you get into your new Louisiana Bowhunter swag. Uh, go out on the community page or or wherever you follow along, Louisiana Bowhunter. We we actually do have. In case people don't know, you can submit your pictures on our website. Uh, we have yep. a, a user submission and uh, just uh, make sure you follow along with that. We got some really cool stuff. So. Reminder, the podcast is brought to you every week by Relentless Boats down in Thibodeau, custom manufacturer, RelentlessBoatsLA.com. Some cool new stuff coming at the first of the year, so make sure you follow along with them and uh, check out some of the stuff they're putting out. And everybody, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Um, enjoy this time with your family and suffer the rifle hunters. Mm-hmm. Where you, where your hunter orange. They'll give up soon. <laughs> It won't be out for long. All right, guys. Everyone have a good night. We'll talk to you next week. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the show, reach out to us at info at louisianabowhunter.com. And if you want to help support Louisiana Bowhunter, go by your local archery shop and pick up some merchandise. If you don't have any at your local shop, let us know and we'll reach out to them. Or pick up your gear at louisianabowhunter.com and we'll ship it out to you same day. See you next week. Thank you.